and welcome to The Fix, the podcast that's all about Photoshop, Lightroom, and post-processing. I'm your host, Jan Kabili, and this week we're bringing you a special episode about black and white photography, a medium that I'm very happy to see is back in vogue. My special guest tonight is a photographer whose black and white photos have been likened to those of Ansel Adams. His work has been supported by Adobe, by Microsoft, by Hasselblad. He is John G. Moore, a professional photographer of many years of experience who's based in Glasgow, Scotland. John is well known for his stunning black and white photographs, his Hollywood portraits, and his rock and roll photos. Hi, John. Thanks so much for being with us tonight here on The Fix. Hi, Jan. Pleased to be here. You know, I know that you've shot so many photographs. You shoot in color, of course, and later convert to black and white. What is it about black and white as compared to color that you particularly like? I guess I've always kind of veered towards black and white, Jan. Um, I don't know if it's something to do with kind of my upbringing. You know, I was surrounded by family members who were photographers at the time, everything they did, they shot in black and white. Um, I don't know, it was kind of, it may be funny for people to, to imagine this, but we had a black and white TV at the time as well. So I guess when you're a kid and you're getting all these images kind of um, shown to you and they're all in black and white, I guess it had some kind of influence on you, even subliminally. Well, do you think that um, it, it looks to me like black and white is having a kind of renaissance? It's very popular again. Mm-hmm. Um, why do you think that is? I, don't, I guess it's like everything. You know, certain things are, are, are in vogue at certain times. Um, I guess the fact that digital has made photography much more accessible to people um, and digital imaging itself, Lightroom, Photoshop, um, you know, plugins, you know, people can um, get easy access to software that gets some really good black and white results, I guess, you know. Do you think it might be some sort of nostalgia as well? Yeah, I think that always comes into it. To be honest, when I'm, you know, I've been talking about photography to people, what drives me is the emotion, really. You know, it, it's, it's all about nostalgia and capturing emotions, you know, when I shoot a landscape or whether I shoot a portrait, it's more about an emotional connection, really. You know, a lot of people maybe lose sight of that. You know, I talk to a lot of people where the technology seems to get in the way and they get caught up in the equipment and whatever. And at the end of the day, I think most of us take photographs because we want to be able to connect or share the connection that we have with other people. Oh, I totally agree with you. And I wonder if there's something about black and white or the absence of color that enables you to get down more to the emotive part of a visual image. What do you think? Yeah, to a degree, I, I think black and white, I don't want to use a cliche, but I guess it is pretty timeless. You know, there's, there's something about a black and white image that it just seems to have that aspect that, it's kind of classic and, you know, you can look at stuff from, you know, early, early photography right through and I don't know, all my favourite kind of artists tend to have been strong with black and white, you know, it's, it's I don't know why, you know, it's, it's just, it seems to 
for me, it seems to just strike a chord. Um, who are I, some I, of your? I'm sorry. sorry. Who are some of your favorite black and white artists? Um, from a portrait perspective, Arnold Newman was a big influence. Really love his work, his environmental portraiture. Um, some of his work was stunning. Um, there's Europeans. Helmut Newton was great. His work was amazing. Um, Keyboard Dan, his early work in black and white was really interesting. Of course, his stuff was always very quirky, had a kind of dark sense of humour. I always loved that. Um, a guy that who never really comes up actually in conversation a lot is a Frenchman called Jean Loup CF, and his his black and white work is beautiful, beautiful. Um, and I guess when you grow up and you see these guys, they, they kind of have a kind of influence on you sublimely. From a landscape point of view, obviously, Ansel Adams was the man, you know. Um, I know that Weston kind of preceded him a wee bit and whatever, but um, I think Adams was the first to really kind of take it into the stratosphere, you know, and became really, really popular uh, internationally. So uh, if there's many guys I could, I could spend all week boring you to tears with black and white photographers that I like. Well, how did you how did you become familiar with him? Were you formally educated in photography, or did you just love it and go look at books and art galleries? To be, to be honest, I was always quite creative, um, and I was actually accepted to go to art school. Uh, but it, it it's a a really interesting story. I also was very interested in music. Um, through my teens, there was a really famous venue in Glasgow. Um, I was lucky that both my mum and dad were really into music, but they liked different types. So um, I actually, believe it or not, in, in the break, the summer break, uh, before going to art school, got offered a job in the music store. And um, much to my parents' annoyance, <laughs> I was offered a full-time job. And I took that instead of going to art school because the appeal of half-price guitars and synthesizers, it, it, it just appealed to me a lot more. So um, my parents went crazy, actually. You know, they said, you're so lucky uh, to be able to have you know, been accepted and now you're wasting your life you know, to work in the music store. But I wouldn't change it, Jan. I had a great career in music and it enabled me to do a lot of things I wouldn't have done. And I then came back to my photography and... I've done okay. I can't complain. Yes, you have done okay. If people don't know, well, why don't you tell us a little bit about what you shoot and who some of your clients have been? Um, I, I'm, I'm lucky that I've been quite varied. I've shot lots of different genres. My point of entry, um, it, it's kind of a sad story. I'll not dwell on it, but unfortunately, I lost my father in a road traffic accident. I was there at the time, um, and it was pretty tough to get through. Uh, and it kind of changed my perspective in life, as it would anyone. Um, and I decided, although I was doing really well and had a great career in professional music at the time, I had always continued my photography through that. Um, and I just, I felt like a change, you know, and I guess it was part of the healing process as well for me, you know, to come to terms with that, um, to be able to get away we're very lucky here in Scotland that 
two hours away in some of the most beautiful scenery in the world. So it was great just to get away and kind of clear the head and just come to terms with everything that had happened and to be able to just heal a wee bit, you know. So um, that, although quite serious, kind of really got me back in photography and I decided to just go freelance. Uh, I then ended up doing music stuff, uh, which took me all over the world. Um, I was based in West Hollywood for a while. I did music that branched into fashion stuff. Um, but I continued shooting landscapes. Uh, I guess uh, I've always loved the outdoors. Um, so I'm lucky, you know, I've done done lots of different stuff and, and still do, actually. I think, I think, to be honest, I would go crazy if I was just shooting the one thing, John. Yeah, it's fun to be varied, and but you must be very talented to be able to do that crossover because they are different skills. To do a portrait in a studio is a different skill than a, a landscape in the beautiful outdoors, isn't it? Yeah, yeah it's actually, I, I guess, when I worked in music, you know, I, I was meeting hundreds of people every day, and you were meeting people from every strata of society. So you'd be dealing with, you know, a young guy who was getting into music, or you'd be dealing with a rock star. So in a way, I developed a, a side of my character where very quickly you kind of relate to people. And fortunately, I, you know, I had a really good career. Uh, and people seem to take to me. I, I guess maybe it's a Scottish thing, but I always like to try and do things with integrity. You know, it's kind of the values that were instilled in me. And uh, even when I was selling stuff, I always, I always sold with integrity as well. I think people really value that. So I, get, I guess when I meet people, um, this, for whatever reason, they, they kind of take quite quickly to me. So that, that really helps when you're shooting portraits with people because... Sometimes you only get a few minutes, you know, when you need to turn something around quite quickly. So um, that helps a great deal. Now, when you're, you are shooting these different genres, say portraits yeah. versus landscapes, do you think there are certain genres that particularly lend themselves to black and white? Um, well, in my case, I think everything lends itself to black and white, but um, not particularly, actually. I, you know, I, I do shoot a lot of colour stuff as well. Um, people will always kind of remark or quite surprised when they see the colour stuff but I actually do it's pretty much 50-50 with me but for some reason people really seem to switch on to my black and white stuff it's always been the case um, I always think it's kind of hard to analyse and, and talk about how you, you do things um, but pe people always react really well to it you know, I'm always, I don't know, kind of in a way, I'm always a bit surprised that, that people are so into it, you know. It's like, I just kind of think, doesn't everybody shoot black and white like this, you know. Well, so when you do shoot, whether you're doing portraits or rock and roll stars or whatever you're doing at the yeah. moment, are you thinking in your head sometimes, I'm going to make this colour photo into a black and white? Because yeah, you know, we don't yeah. do that anymore where we choose a black and white film or colour in, in advance. Now we decide do, to convert. So, sorry to interrupt you, Jack. I do actually, um, I, I actually, although I'm shooting in colour, you know, I'll be thinking with lighting um, if I'm shooting portraits or even shooting landscapes. Um, I'll be shooting 
because I guess I'm always con- conceptualising the shot before I go, particularly landscape shots. It's funny, I had a, an interesting conversation with someone about this a couple of days ago. Um, and generally when I go somewhere, I'll have scoped the whole area out in Google Plus or Google Maps, um, which is brilliant. I mean, you couldn't do that years ago, but it's it's so awesome to be able to do that. Uh, but I, I've, I guess I've kind of got the shot 95% there in my head before I take it. I've worked out the inclination and declination of the sun, time of year, what I'm expecting. And it's really just down to the weather on the day, really, if it, if it plays nice and plays up to what I'm looking for. And I, I guess I've been fortunate. It's funny, my assistant, Ricky, always jokes with me. I don't know whether people will get this. We have a, a word in Scotland called jammy. Uh, and he, he always says I'm chammy with the light because I always I always seem to be really lucky with the light kind of thing. So I, I, I do I do think um I had a of shooting and whatever, so I, I I'm, I'm conceptualizing it. So let's say you are shooting a landscape mm-hmm. um, and you know that you're going to convert it to black and white. Do you do something differently at the shooting stage than you would do if you thought you were going to leave it as a color shot? Sometimes it depends on what I'm shooting. If I'm shooting and it's an image like the one behind you, actually, where there's, you know, kind of nice cloud patterns, but there's a nice, you know, a lot of areas of blue in the sky. I I don't use as many filters as I used to, but I would probably use a polarising filter just just to strengthen the blues and, and just get a bit of separation. I use an ND grad quite a bit. And I actually use it in inverted at times, but I kind of handhold it, you know, which is kind of unusual. People think, you know, why don't you, why are you not using a 200 pounds Lee filter system with all the accoutrements that you can turn it? But I kind of like to be able to react really quickly. So um, I just like the fact that you don't always have time, you know, to, to, to kind of chop and change with things. So I, I, I I guess it might seem a bit lowbrow to people, but it works for me. It does the trick. So. What did you mean when you said you will invert your uh, neutral? Is it the graduated neutral density? Yes, yes. Okay. Uh, what we'll do sometimes, depending on where I'm shooting, you know, I want, I, I maybe don't want a, a, to draw a lot of attention to the foreground. So, you know, I'll, I'll maybe do use it upside down, which seems a bit odd, but it does the trick kind of thing, you know. Um, I'll sometimes do that and I guess when you're conceptualising an image you're trying to draw people's attention to certain aspects and areas of it so I'll sometimes do that I do it a lot in Lightroom actually where I'll use the grads just to maybe drop off an area or just so people are drawn into the, the centre of the image or a certain area And when you say upside down with the graduated neutral density filter you mean that the clearest part you're using at the top which yeah. is unusual Yeah yeah, um, I guess, I mean, I'm not saying I do that all the time, but there's certain certain circumstances where you, know, you can use that. You know, and Scotland's notorious for terrible weather. Um, so sometimes the sky is a lot darker than the foreground. So that's maybe, maybe it's a Scottish thing. <laughs> maybe it is. Well, I wish, gosh, I wish I could be out there with you. Maybe someday. But uh, now let's talk a little about the processing part of making mm-hmm. black and white photographs. What application do you use the most to do that? I use Lightroom 
for most of the processing. I used to, in olden days, I would use um, Capture One and Photoshop and Bridge, but it's just, it's too much palaver. Lightroom is, as soon as Lightroom came out, you know, for, for the first hour or two, I, would, I looked at it and I went, what's going on here? You know, I thought, this, this I, I don't get this. But when the penny dropped, I loved it. And I, I, I've been using Lightroom since version one, and I, I just can't see past it, to be honest. I know some guys say, oh, the rocking version and Capture One's better and whatever. And to be honest, as a professional photographer who shoots lots of different genres and also shoots for clients who need fast turnarounds, Lightroom's unbeatable. It just is the perfect solution. That's great. I know you told me earlier that you have in the past sometimes used Silver Effects Pro, but that you prefer to use Lightroom for your black and white. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's it's kind of when I'm doing music photography, sometimes you get art directors there, and and there can be you know a team of maybe fifteen twenty people, and you're maybe shooting with a laptop. Um, although I've now went uh, moved towards using a Surface Pro because I can use Lightroom on that, and it's powerful enough to use um, sometimes you don't have the luxury of flipping into Photoshop to do stuff or using plugins like Silver Effects so I, I, I've, it's kind of forced me in a way to try and achieve what I can do with that but do you know do it solely in Lightroom um, and there's a couple of guys, Glenn Dewis who's a great friend of mine, great guy um, was up a couple of weeks ago and he was really surprised at the amount that I did in Lightroom. He said, well, I'm, I'm really surprised that you do that. You know, so. Yeah, yeah, Glenn Dewis is a Photoshop guy. <laughs> yeah, but I, I think he, he said in a couple of occasions that I've kind of inspired him to, to do a lot in Lightroom. And I, I, I don't know if it's just maybe ignorance is too strong a word to use with people, but a lot of people will they'll maybe see stuff online or they'll read something in magazines and say, oh, no, that's the way, that's, you know, that's the way you have to do it. I kind of, I've always been a bit of a maverick, Jan, in that although I think it, you really need to learn the technical aspects and how things affect your images, it's good to kind of break the mould and do something a little bit different. If we all did the same thing, we'd kind of get bored with it, you know? Um, so I, I, I kind of like breaking the rules a bit, you know. It's just, oh, I like you. I'm the same way. Well, maybe it gets back to my music stuff when I was younger, you know, and get back to the days of punk rock and whatever. But um, I don't know. I, I just think people can fall into habits and patterns too easily. And uh, as I said, although there is certain things that you have to do, why not do something a wee bit different? Why not try it, you know? That, that's what being creative and being artistic is all about. You know, I think that everybody should be encouraged to kind of try and push the boundaries and do something a wee bit different, you know? Well, that is a perfect segue. If you could please show us how you do things differently, um, converting things to black and white in Lightroom. Would you be kind enough to share your screen and show yes, us? Yes, I will do it. Thank you. Right. Hopefully you're seeing Lightroom now. Yes, it's beautiful. Some beautiful Good. photos there too. Yeah, well, actually, th th this is a, a shot I took way back in two thousand and eight. Um, 
obviously, I probably don't need to explain where it is. Everybody in the universe probably has been there at some point. Ah, but, but, um, but there are many people who cannot see what you're showing. So for them, yes. it would be nice if you would tell us what we're looking at. <laughs> this was taken in 2008 in Yosemite Valley um, from just above Inspiration Point. Uh, I was shooting a book there at the time um, to raise money for charity. And um, I was very lucky. Uh, I think this was the 30th or 31st of March, if, if memory serves. Um, and I was very lucky. When we arrived there, there was pretty heavy cloud cover. Uh, and I was actually with someone, uh, a cameraman from the BBC, believe it or not, who was there to film me. Um, and he, he gave up. He said, look, the weather's terrible. Um, there's just no point in, in walking up to where you want to walk. Uh, but I persevered uh, old Scottish determination. And when I got there, I was rewarded with this, really. Uh, the, the cloud lifted. There was a bit of snowfall. Um, and it was pretty spectacular. Uh, that That's the shot as is, you know, with no processing whatsoever. And I was lucky that there was really contrasty light. Um, there was a wee bit of blue in the sky. Clouds were nice. The, 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 it's, a, it's a pretty decent shot straight out the camera kind of thing. Yeah, it but, is. Um, it's very nice in colour as is. Do you remember what you were shooting with? Um, believe it or not, at the time, I think I was shooting with a 5D uh, at the time. And I, I used to use old Zeiss lenses with manual adapters uh, on the 5D. Um, it was just one of the things that I was kind of in at the time. And I had an old... I think it was a 50mm contact Zeiss 1.7. Um, so it, it was shot manually um, at the time, I think. Um, it's a while ago, John, so um, my memory may be feeling me, but I'm, I'm pretty sure that that was what I shot it on. Great, thank you. Now, the um, the thing is, that it's funny looking back at this now because obviously I'm, sh- I'm shooting with, well, I'm now shooting with Nikon, I'm shooting with... D800, D810, Pentax, and 645. So th- this resolution-wise seems tiny to me now, you know, compared to what I'm, what I'm using. But I thought it would, it's as good a shot as any um, to use, just to get through kind of briefly what I would do um, to convert it to black and white. Did you want me to, to start going through what I would, I would do with the... Um, the image just now, yeah. Oh, absolutely. I'd love to right. see. No worries. No worries. It, basically, the image as is. Um, I'm going to leave in colour. Um, people might think that's a bit odd. A lot of people convert to black and white right away. But um, I'll, I'll try and explain why I'm doing that uh, as I go through things. I'm going to look to try and get the sky in this. Although there's not a huge amount of blue, I'm going to look to try and get the sky, the blue in the sky, quite dark. So... What I'm going to do, um, at first to do that, as I'm, there's various ways you can do it, but um, if we go to the luminance uh, slider and we pull the blues down a bit, there's obviously an immediate pressure there. Now, you have to be careful with this with Canon sensors. The dynamic ranging Canon sensors isn't as good as on uh, the new Nikons and Sonys. Um, and it's funny, actually, uh, I've been so used to shooting the Nikons and Sonys uh, and having 
such great dynamic range that it's funny when I go back to the canon stuff. Uh, that's not to say the canon stuff is bad, it's just that um, as a landscape portrait shooter, I really value having a lot of dynamic range in the captured image, you know, it gives you more scope. But anyway, the reason I mention that is that if you pull the blues down too much, you can get posterization if you push it too hard. Um, it's not too bad in this image. So I'm going to pull that back a bit. It's added a wee bit of definition in the clouds. Do you mind if Although, I just interrupt a moment for yeah, those? Yeah. For those who can't see you, you're in the HSL uh, panel in Lightroom and you're still working on the color image. You're just pulling the blue luminance yeah. slider down to the left. Yes, I am. I, and I'm, I'm also going to bring the aqua down slightly as well. Very slightly. It's very subtle. Now, the reason I'm pulling the blues down will become apparent when I actually convert to black and white. Um, but there's a few other things I want to do. I'm not sure whether the detail will come across here. The image is reasonably sharp, but I just, I, I kind of want to add just a wee bit more kind of detail to that. So what I would do is I would get into the, the sharpening settings and I'm just doing this off the top of my head from memory. I use a very small radius, about 0 0.6, 0 0.7, sharpener about 50, but I use the detail quite high. Now, that may seem excessive, but I don't know if you can see that or pick it up. What we've done is we've added what a lot of people would call micro contrast. There's a lot of detail in that, but if you look at certain areas, there's no real noise or artifacts being added. Now, one thing I find about silver effects when I convert to black and whites, you, you would get a lot of noise in the image and in the sky. Um, so, again, that's another reason why I quite like doing things in Lightroom. I can get the detail of sharpening that I like, but it, it doesn't kind of detract from the image. I don't know whether you can pick that up there, John, but... Um, it's a Obviously. little bit hard to see because of the artifacts the video puts in. Um, no every time you zoom in and out, it has to re-resolve. Uh, take, take it take it and trust. Try it. You know, if anyone's watching it, uh, and, you know, just basically you know, follow that. It's, it's amazing, actually, how much you can ramp up the detail without it being of detriment to the image. Well, that, that's what I find in my case. Now, what I'm going to do is... Um, the area in the foreground, I kind of like the fact that it's kind of contrasting, but I, I really want to draw people's attention to El Capitan and the valley uh, and, and the waterfall. So basically what I'm going to do is I want to darken this area, and there's a few ways we can do it. Uh, we could use the local adjustment tools, and I could do it, choose a brush and run over it. But in this case, what I'm going to do is, remember we talked earlier about using the, the, the grad, the ND grad in reverse? That's right, the, the graduated what, what, filter in camera. What I'm going to do is mimic that, um, but basically bringing it up a bit. And you can see the difference immediately there in the area at the front. It's, it's dropped that off a bit. It's made it a wee bit more dramatic. Now, what I'm going to do now is I'm going to actually use the adjustment brush and I'm going to add clarity. Now you need to be careful with clarity. If you go over the top with it, it, it can be too much. 
but what I'm going to do, and now bear in mind, I'm, I'm not using my Wacom tablet here or whatever, I'm just doing this roughly so that anyone that's watching this can basically mimic it. And I'm, I'm going to be pretty rough and ready here, but um, it's just really just to show you what I'm doing. I'm going to run over certain areas just to pick out a wee bit more detail in areas where I want to draw attention. And you normally do this with a Wacom tablet? Well, it depends. To be honest, um, I, don't often, I, I don't always have that. And I, I kind of... Um, I'm not uncomfortable with doing it with a mouse, I guess is what I'm trying to say. It, it doesn't really bother me because, you know, I don't have to be really precise with details. But I, ju I just want to kind of highlight you know, where the eye has been drawn to there. Now, because obviously there's a wee bit of mist and whatever, the contrast has been affected in the middle here as well. So I'm going to add, again, um, just walking in this middle area, add just a little bit of contrast. I've got it set to 34 here. And I'm going to use a big brush and I'm going to just pull that up a wee bit just to add a wee bit so of you, So you use separate brushes for, for different effects? Yes, I, I like to keep it separate because obviously from the, the history um, panel as well, it, it's easier when I go back after a long time, you know. Um, one day I'll pop my clogs and, you know, someday I'll hopefully, you know, Relatives of Stone, you make some money from images, so it's good that people can go through and see exactly how I, w I went through things and the process that I used. Ah, um, oh, that's so, a great idea. Wouldn't it be yeah. nice if we could have seen exactly what Ansel did, for example? We well, yeah. Yeah, I, I think it's great. That's one great thing about Lightroom that, you know, if you're interested, in fact, Glenn Dewis mentioned this, he said, it was brilliant actually to look at your computer and I could see your whole process. I, it's almost like, you know, when I was younger, I would buy books by Ansel Adams, you know, mm -hmm. and you'd read the books. It, 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 it's kind of similar in a way, I guess, that, you know, you can get into Lightroom and you can see, you know, what the creative thought process was and going through the, the history panel, you know. Now, what I'm going to do is, sky-wise, I'm actually going to use, um, let's drop that a wee bit. And drop the exposure a wee bit. I'm going to stop here and I'm going to pull that down a wee bit. Just a, a wee bit more uh, to the sky there. Now, what I'm going to do, I'll do this really simply. Um, I actually have um, lots of presets. You probably know anybody watching this will probably know there's loads of black and white presets. Uh, that I've developed, which um, you can get more information on my website if you're interested in them. But um, I have, you know, so many that I, I would usually just use that and then tweak a few things. But I'll, I'll just keep it simple uh, and we'll go um, to the HL, HSL panel and we'll change it to black and white. Now, that's kind of okay, but um, I, I feel, you know, it could be more punchy again. If I had time, I would spend quite a, a bit of time going through the curves and adjusting things, but I'll just choose the strong contrast setting in this case. And you can see already it's got quite a kick. Uh, remember I added that 
to adjust the contrast, what I'm actually going to do is pull the exposure back a wee bit as well. Now, that's interesting. I think a lot of people don't think about the fact that they can go back to any of the adjustment brush pins or the graduated filter pins and, and tweak them. You don't have yeah. to do this all from the top down. No, Glenn found this quite fascinating about the way I worked. This is just the way I do things. I, I, I don't have a set kind of process. Every image is different to me. I mean, obviously, I've got parameters that I work with them, um, but I love the fact that you can go back and you can then tweak things to suit. At the moment, I'm ha I'm kind of happy with this image in the foreground, in the mid, um, you know, horsetail fall. Um, I'm kind of happy with that aspect. I still feel that the middle and the upper area and the clouds, you know, need change a wee bit. In fact, what am I going to do is how much have I dropped it? I've added contrast and I've dropped it point seven one year stop. I'm actually going to try this. I'm experimenting here. This is probably too much. But, um, no, it's not too bad. We're getting away with it. Uh, I'm going to change it actually. Now, while you do that, do you mind if I, I say something? You can just keep yeah, going with your no, painting no there. Worries. No um, worries. One of the things I like to do is to, I like to compare before and afters a lot. That helps mm -hmm. me to, to visualize from where I started and where I'm going. But mm -hmm. when you have converted to black and white, if you do a before and after, it goes back all the way to the color image. Yes. And that isn't what I want to do. So uh, do you have a, a method that you use to avoid that problem? I have one, but if you have one, I'd love to hear yours. To be, to be frank, no. <laughs> I, I, I kind of, the, the luxury of being able to do this, um, obviously we're not in a dark room and wasting, you know, chemicals and paper and whatever. The, the great luxury about this is that I can kind of do this in a kind of more organic fashion, you know. Um, people may be surprised when they see this, um, but I, I, I kind of, it's kind of intuitive for me, Jen. You know, I, I, every, as I said, every image is different. And I, I kind of really just work on areas. My assistant jokes that I'm like the Esper machine in Blade Runner, um, <laughs> that I kind of just zoom in in different areas, you know, when I'm shooting. But it, it, it's kind of funny, but it's true. As I'm working here, it's kind of coming together for me, but... The next area I'm noticing is El Capitan. There's, the light there is great, the way they, they kind of patch the lights at it. But again, I want it to be a bit more contrasty. So what I'm going to do is, again, I'll drop the, the exposure a wee bit um, and I'm going to kind of push the contrast up a wee bit. And I'm actually going to add a wee bit more clarity as well. And again, I'm doing this very roughly. So, it's gorgeous, gorgeous. Would you say that in general you're kind of a high contrast guy, whether it's mid-tone contrast or overall contrast? Not always, Jan. I think in landscapes, it depends. It depends actually on the landscape. Um, there's some stuff that I shoot. I, I, I actually quite like dramatic weather. Uh, if people look at my website, they'll see some shots uh, in Scotland. Uh, I love shooting on the Isle of Skye. And the weather is so dramatic at times. Um, it's awesome and I, I, I kind of I like to push it a wee bit you know if, if it is stormy I want it to be even more dramatic you know I guess Ad, Adam's I think in a couple of interviews I saw cause was kind of similar in that way is it a true representation of, of what I saw at the time um, yeah it, it, that's how it felt for me I guess 
Um, so uh, sometimes I want it to be quite dramatic, but there, there may be occasions where, for, in a portrait, for instance, where I don't want the, the kind of blacks to be strong, you know, I want it to be kind of more in the mid. So I guess what I'm saying is it depends on the image, John. It know? does. And you know what I think, John, too? It depends on, I mean, a lot of what you're doing is your skill at painting tone, light mm -hmm. and dark tone in Lightroom. But also, you started with an amazing image. And I think that's something that maybe people forget. If it, what it, there's some, what is it, uh, you know, crud in, crud out type of approach. Yeah. When you yeah. start with a great photo, you're halfway to ending yeah. up with what you want. We have a great scene in Scotland for that, but I, I think for <laughs> diplomatic reasons, I don't think I should see it live on here, to be yeah, honest. I know, so, I was going to say that too, but I didn't. <laughs> uh, well, it, it, it kind of sums up pretty nice, you know, but um, I, I'll refrain from that at the moment. Uh, regular followers in Google Plus will probably get catch my drift, but there you go. <laughs> well, this is so, fantastic. It, it but, looks great. Well, yeah, it's kind of okay, you know, it's okay. It's probably about 50, 60% there for me. I, I would probably work a wee bit more on the clouds in here and whatever. Um, but I, I hope it gives some people some kind of inkling of, you know, where my head's at when I'm doing stuff like this. Um, I, I, I guess we're really lucky with Lightroom that we can do so much. You know, and working digitally. Obviously, in, in, if it was a dark room, you'd, you'd be able to dodge and burn certain areas. And I get, I guess, I guess what I'm doing is not that far away from that. You know, but the, the beauty is that I can affect a lot more than just contrast. You know, mm -hmm. uh, light room is just so powerful, and I, I feel that it's more than adequate for my needs even at a professional level, you know, I, I, I've done that quite quickly. Uh, and I reckon, I mean, you could get into silver effects and you could bang a preset in silver effects and, you know, it would probably be okay. But one thing, and I, I haven't mentioned this previously, luckily I managed, I managed to have quite a strong um, following of people who like my fine art black and white prints, but they're very, very choosy, you know, about quality. Um, and that, that's another reason why I, I kind of moved to Nikon and, you know, the Sony sensors, the dynamic range is great, you know, there's not a lot of noise with them. But the reason I bring that up is that these guys, you know, they pick up on kind of grainy skies and, you know, over sharpening and things like that, you know, and, you know, when people are paying a lot of money for a print, um, you want it to be spot on. So I, I kind of, Restraint is another thing as well. I think people just, they can go over the top with stuff because they have it, you know. And no, I know, I know. It is hard to restrain or, or to even know where over the top is. And I think um, some yeah. of that just comes from years and years of shooting, processing in the darkroom and in the digital darkroom and just having, being an artist also. Some people have yeah. it and but, some people have to try hard to get it. <laughs> and you I, have it. I, I, I kind of... I know this might sound oversimplistic, but I kind of like things to be understated, Jan. You know, I don't really... I, I've, I've kind of always liked cool that whispers, not cool that shouts, really. Mm. And um, I, I kind of like things to be understated. I, I, you know, I, I actually did a print of this shot, which I had in the studio, and there's a, a, 
you know, another photographer, I know a really well-known photographer, landscape photographer, and he came in and he looked at the print and he went, Hasselblad, you know? <laughs> and and I kind of laughed, you know what I mean? I thought, mm, actually, you'd be really surprised to find out that it was a, a Canon 5D. Um, but it, it's, it's all in the way you do it. You know, you, you made a good point that you have to have a good image in the first place, you know? Um, and I think get capturing your image, getting your exposure right, you know, obviously focusing stuff like that is imperative. I, I, I get really, you know, I, Ricky must have joked some obsessive compulsive, but one thing that really gets me is horizons as well in photographs. I see so many shots, Google Plus, it drives me crazy with horizons that are squinty and, you know, stuff like that. So you, you kind of really need to get it right in camera, Jan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I agree with you with that. But once you've got that, you know, the sky's your limit, really. You can then you know do all this kind of stuff and tweak it, but you need to have a good image in the first place. Um, I, I'm just trying to think if there's something that I could add to this or miss, but it, it would it would be more fine tweaking, Jan, really, in just certain areas. I would I would maybe um do do some slight work around the waterfall and then pick out certain areas. Uh, and I, again, it's hard to see you know the detail of what I'm doing um, on the web at this kind of resolution. But if, if you actually saw the print, you know if you saw like a, a thirty by twenty print or whatever in front of you. You, you can spend a lot of time looking at this. Um, well, that that reminds me. If people would like to have a print of this or any of your other marvelous photos, tell us where they can go. The URL well, of your website. It, it's um, nothing's ever easy with me, John. Um, <laughs> I, I used to sell open edition prints, but but I kind of stopped. Um, I, I kind of concentrate concentrate more on the kind of high end. Um, I actually sell my stuff through Saatchi Art. Um, and it's probably a bit pricey for a lot of people, to be honest. But I, I've got a kind of quite a strong following on there, and it, I, I'm kind of happy with that. Um, I do get asked a lot about open edition prints. Um, I don't know. It just it just didn't work for me, Jan. You know, I'll not bore you with the details, but um, but if, if people want to see more of the work, they can check out the website. They can go to johngmail.com or you know, there's links there to the so we can at least see them online why don't you yeah. uns- unshare your screen so we can see you and say goodbye to you okay. that was fantastic i mean that that image is just heart you know heart stoppingly beautiful uh, it is and i appreciate you so much showing us you know how you would approach it it's it's just great to see an artist of your caliber doing this terrific well, I, I hope people find it interesting I, it, it's kind of funny you know i, I it just, I guess maybe because I've been doing it for so long, it just seems so intuitive and so normal to me that I, I kind of reckon everybody processes like that. So it's always kind of nice when, you know, I always feel quite humbled when when people, you know, say things like that. So I, I just hope it's been of use to people that they find it a benefit. I do have, um, Glenn's got me fired up with a YouTube channel now, so I'm, I'm going to try and be more proactive and post more about my black and white process. You know, people are so interested in it that, you know, I, I, I feel that I, sh- I should kind of put some stuff up there, you know, tutorial videos and stuff like that. Oh, that's great. So if we do want to find you online, so we're going to go to uh, johngmore.com. And where what's your YouTube channel? Do you know? YouTube channel is just, um, it's just John G. Moore. Um, is, is, you know, I think it's forward slash C John G. Moore, I think it is. Yeah. Okay, well, we'll put links to those in the show notes for this episode. Mm -hmm. 
And with that, we're going to have to say goodbye to you. And I no, really appreciate you being with me today. It's been so much pleasure. fun to meet you. Thanks for having me. Thank you very much. And thank you to Glenn Dewis for recommending John to me. Great yes, guy. Yes, did. Yeah. And everyone out there, I hope you've enjoyed this episode. If you'd like to see more terrific luminaries in the world of photography and in Photoshop and Lightroom, please join us for more episodes of The Fix here on the TWIP network of great photography podcasts. This is Jan Kabili. So long for now. <laughs>